This morning we close this series on the book of Malachi that I have been trying to work through this summer. And today we read the fourth chapter. The book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the very end of the Old Testament. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes and under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the great prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, beginning in verse 7, reading through verse 15. Now, Malachi mentioned the prophet Elijah in that text. Listen to how Jesus now speaks of the prophet Elijah and connects him to one who came before him. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written... I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen among greater than John the Baptist. Yet he is least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who is least and great is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful people lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to go a little faster, and if you're a visual listener or learner, you're going to like this a little better, I think. As we come to the end of Malachi, and the people asked, how have you loved us, Lord? How have you shown, how have we shown contempt for your name? How have we defiled you? How have we wearied you? How do we rob you? And Israel questions the Lord Almighty in Malachi again and again and again, putting the Lord of hosts on trial. But eventually, the Lord takes the offensive himself. 
And he gives his final argument at the end, if you would. So let's begin with the end, because we like good endings, don't we? I mean, don't we get frustrated with bad or painful endings, let's say, in a movie? Like, do you remember the old movie from the 70s, The French Connection, where the New York City cop, Popeye Doyle, played by Gene Hackman, was there searching at the end of the movie for the drug lords, and we want justice to be done. We want the good to win out. But the movie just ends. Boom. It's over. And we're left with just anxiety and tension. Well, the end of the book of Malachi kind of ends with a sudden and uncomfortable ending too. It ends with a threat from God. So that when I come, I do not strike the whole land with a curse. Boy, that's not the type of ending we want. We don't want the final day of the Lord to be a bad day. No one wants bad days like this guy or like this guy. That's a bad day there. In fact, people didn't like the ending of Malachi either. And so the Greek Bible, the Christians were the first ones to, uh, the early Christians translated the Bible into Greek. They took verse 4 and they put it at the end of verse 6 so that the book of Malachi ends with remembering the law of Moses. That's not so bad. The Jews took the Hebrew Bible and they repeated verse 5 at the end of verse 6 about God sending Elijah. And both were done to soften the ending of the Old Testament. Because who wants a bad ending? And that's how the last book and the last word of the Old Testament ends. The expectation of the day that the Lord would come. A great and wonderful day for some. A dreadful and fearful day for others. Now, this is the fifth time that Malachi has spoken about the day. And oh, how people have loved to make something about this, haven't they? Predictions have abounded about the day of the Lord. By the day, the day, Malachi probably doesn't mean a 24-hour period. He's probably speaking more about a season or a, a, a stretch of time. But before that day, God said that he would send the prophet Elijah who would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and vice versa. Do you know that in Jewish homes, in the Passover meal, a place is set for Elijah at every meal? It's because of this verse in Malachi and also the belief that Elijah needs to come before the Messiah comes. And one of the rituals of the Passover is that the oldest son gets up from the table, goes to the door, opens the door, and looks for Elijah. And of course, he's not there. And he announces to the family, he's not here. The Jews are still waiting for Elijah to come. The Jews are still waiting for the Messiah. You know, Elijah is an intriguing biblical character because he didn't experience physical death. He was swept up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Some people saw and heard Jesus and they thought, you know, he might be Elijah that has come back when Jesus was on the cross and he yelled out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Some people said, you know, maybe he's calling for Elijah. One time Jesus began to do some scripture study with the disciples. And he said, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. You see, Jesus knew the words of the book of Malachi. And Jesus went on to say, but I tell you, Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him. Which is interesting. Because right before he said that, Jesus went up on a high mountain 
with Peter, James, and John. And when he was on that mountain, Jesus is transfigured in their sight. Jesus' face, his clothes become pure white as light, bright and shining as the sun. And we call this experience the transfiguration. It was an amazing moment. Well, not only that, but two Old Testament saints appear with Jesus on that mountain. The two saints were Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses was the one we know who received the law from the Lord. I don't know that he was a member of the NRA or even a Republican, but you never know. But Moses is also mentioned at the end of Malachi. And he represents the law of the Lord. And Malachi preaches that God's people are to remember that law and to obey it. Now, Elijah represents the prophets. And there appeared Moses and Elijah, the law on the prophets, talking with Jesus. So when Jesus said, Elijah has already come, was he talking about the transfiguration? Or was Jesus talking about John the Baptist? Because Jesus spoke to people about John and said, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare the way before you, which is a quote right out of Malachi chapter three. Jesus said, you know, John's more than a prophet. John wasn't only a prophet. He was an object of prophecy. He was a prophesied prophet. He didn't just bring the word of God, but he was someone who the word of God prophesied would come. You know, that wasn't true of any other biblical figure except the Messiah. Prophets are something. Prophesied prophets are something else altogether. Yes, John was more than a prophet. John was like the advanced man of the Messiah. John was like God's second to last man, which raises the question, well, then who's the last man? And that's the significance of John, that he's the next to last man, because it's not about him. It's really who comes after him, especially if he's Elijah, who is to come. And that is why we believe that Jesus was God's last man, the Messiah. Jesus said, all the prophets and all the law, in other words, everything represented by Moses and Elijah, prophesied. Until John. In other words, Old Testament prophecies had a limit. After John and the coming of the Messiah, then the Messiah's words became the new prophecy. Until John, the prophets were primary. But now Jesus has come. And that is why the modern, sometimes what we call the prophecy movement that we see on TV quite a bit, is a misleading one. The prophecy movement makes the Old Testament some kind of a a code which is used to decipher current events and predict future ones. And these people do not read the Old Testament from a Christ-centered perspective. They're only interested in predictions. But the Old Testament's not about a one-world government. It's not about the Arab-Israeli conflict. It's not about Russia. It's not about China. It's not about the U.S. It's not about Iraq. And those in the prophecy movement make the Old Testament a crystal ball instead of something that points to the Messiah. The prophets did their work until John and the time of the Messiah. And it isn't that we don't still read them. It isn't that we don't still read into them and they don't speak to us. They do. But as Dale Bruner once said, when, when people take the Old Testament prophecy and make it go through and past John and Jesus into modern events, it is no longer prophecy in the evangelical sense. It is now voodoo. Christians are just to be about knowing and obeying the words of Jesus and seeing Jesus as the fulfillment 
of the law and the prophets. Not trying to figure out some ancient puzzling predictions about still more puzzling future events. And Jesus said, if you're willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. If you are willing to accept it, John was the one Malachi was speaking about in Malachi chapter 4. When the angel Gabriel came to John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and said, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. This is what he said about John the Baptist. He said, Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. Sounds like Malachi to me. But Gabriel went even farther and he said he will turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. Because the Lord was coming. Moses is the law. Elijah is the prophets. And do you remember when Jesus was risen from the dead, walking down that Emmaus road with those two disciples? It says he began. They didn't know who he was. It says he began to speak to them. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all that was said in the scriptures about himself. Jesus brings the Old Testament to completion. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. So when Malachi preached the day is coming, he was looking to the day of the Messiah, which isn't just one day, but it is a day that has begun and that is already happening. And the day of the Lord isn't a good day. It's not going to be a good day. It isn't a good day for the arrogant who are like burned out forests, totally made into ash. Well, who are the arrogant? The arrogant are those who don't honor the name of the Lord. They don't need the Lord. They don't believe in him. They don't believe in him as creator of heaven and earth. And they're self-sufficient. They have no trust in him. Like the writer Henry Miller once said, I had no more need of God than he had of me. And if there were one, I often said to myself, I would meet him calmly and spit in his face. But it's not for us to judge Mr. Miller, is it? That's the Lord's role. Let's just be careful that we're not arrogant and that we honor the name of the Lord. Because Malachi said, for those who revere the name of the Lord, the son of righteousness is going to rise with healing in its wings. Now, wings meant something very different to the ancient Jew than it does for us today. I know what you're thinking about when you think about wings. But wings was a very specific image for the ancient Jew. They would remember how the Lord said he carried them out of Egypt on eagle's wings. And how the Lord guarded and caught them as an eagle with its wings. And that the wings of the Lord are a refuge for the people to take protection under. And how even Jesus, as he was weeping over Jerusalem, said... Oh, how I wish you knew how much I loved you. I would be like a hen protecting her chicks underneath my wings. Wings spoke of God. And the rising of the sun, what does it do? It brings the morning. It brings a new day. We get a fresh beginning. Sometimes the darkness and the night are the greatest times of restlessness and tears and fears. You know, people who have lost close loved ones have often told me that the night's are the hardest to get through. And they just long to see the sun rise in the morning. We sing at Christmas, hail the sun of righteousness. This is where it comes from. And Malachi says, you know, those who 
honor the Lord, they'll not only be like the sun rising with healing in its wings, they're going to be like calves that leap out of the stall. It's a picture of peace. It's a picture of joy and release and freedom. This day of the Lord that Malachi keeps preaching, it'll be great and welcome for some. It'll be dreadful and ugly for others. But for those rightly related to God, it'll be a welcome day. And you know, I'd rather be a calf leaping out of a stall than a burned out forest. You know, it's interesting. The Jewish Bible did not end with the book of Malachi. If you read a Jewish Bible in Hebrew, you would find the book of Second Chronicles at the end, which is a book of history. And the book of Second Chronicles ends with the sack and the burning and the taking over of Jerusalem. Boy, that's not a good ending, is it? That's a terrible way. And so when the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek by the Christians, they put Malachi at the end. Why? Because they want a good ending. Why? Because it's much easier. It, it, Malachi easiest. It leads to John the Baptist. And it's much easier to get to Jesus from John the Baptist. Malachi is like the final scene of a play before intermission. You know, usually there's something that intrigues us or makes us expect in one more. And then the curtain comes down and we go out into the lobby and we have a little refreshment. But we come back to see what transpires. Well, 500 years passed. From the time Malachi gave his sermons until the time John the Baptist came preaching and baptizing in the wilderness. That is a long intermission. And people were waiting. And people were waiting. But when the curtain came back up, one came who gave us hope. It ended with a curse. Remember that word? For one came who took the curse from us. For it says in Scripture, cursed be anyone who hangs on a tree. Like we sang earlier, at that cross, he took our shame. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. Indeed, called righteous by God. And that is the faith, and that is the hope of the Christian. The day of the Lord has begun in Jesus. It will be fulfilled in Jesus. The one who said, I'm the beginning, but you know what? I am also the end. And it's always a good ending. With Jesus. And just as the Old Testament ends with an expectation of God's coming, so does the New Testament end with an expectation of a coming. Yes, I am coming soon, is what Jesus says at the end of the book of Revelation. And all who hope, and all who wait, and all who stake their lives on Him pray the prayer that ends the entire Bible Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. There's a lot going on in Malachi. And I've tried to help us understand the significance of the book and why it's where it is and why it ends as it does. Elijah has come and Jesus, the Messiah, has come. Are we willing to accept it? Amen. Let's take a moment to reflect and to prepare our hearts to come to the table of the Lord, the bread and the cup where we'll share in communion.